bang, 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 bang. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. Too sweet. Hey. I fucking... Did you ever watch that movie when you were younger? What? Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. No. Oh, such a good movie. I'd like to watch it again. I wonder if it's problematic. It's about candy making. I don't know anything about it. Um, what is that? What's that song that they sing? Oh, in the Rugrats movie. Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang. Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang. Maybe that should be our opening song. I wasn't really a big Rugrats girl. How were we best friends? I know that's controversial. It's not that I didn't like it. I just never really watched it. We watched, like, things that we probably shouldn't have been watching at a young age. Like, I was watching Law and Order and I Shouldn't Be Alive and (laughs) really dark stuff. Yeah. I was a big Rugrats fan and, like, all the way until they made, like, Rugrats all grown up. It was a big thing Mm -hmm. in our house. But we were monitored, like, really closely. And then... Other than that, like, my parents didn't want us to watch anything too stupid or too scary. Like, we weren't allowed to watch a lot of Cartoon Network shows like Ed, Ed, and Eddie, South Park, Family Guy, nothing. But my mom loved to have us go in her room and have movie nights and eat shit tons of popcorn and watch Lifetime Movie Network shows about little girls getting kidnapped. So we didn't get kidnapped. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's probably why I have so much anxiety about children. Probably. It's probably why I assume the worst about everybody. Because I grew up watching Law and Order. (laughs) Parents, it's all your fault. Just like everything else. (laughs) Yeah, fuck you. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I love you both. I love you both. But also fuck you sometimes too. But that's okay because you probably think the same about us. Exactly. Yeah. It's a mutual fuck you. I think that about myself sometimes, too, so... <laughs> oh, my God. All the time, dude. Like, what was I doing earlier? Well, you know I had those two days where I didn't have my meds, so I was going insane. But I've had them again for two days, so I'm doing okay. But earlier I was doing something, and I'm I'm very much a person who likes to have a spot. And if I'm going to be in that spot, I want to have everything I need within my reach. So... Mm-hmm. Most of the time, at least two beverages because I want my water because I'm always thirsty and something else. Most of the time, like coffee or a ginger ale. And then I have my crochet cart next to me and then I'll have like my laptop and then sometimes my work laptop or whatever. If I'm multitasking or if I am like on lunch, I'll have both my laptops and I went to get up to get something, got distracted, did something else, sat down, forgot it, got up, went to get it again. Oh, it was my coffee. I had gone into the kitchen to make more coffee, got my coffee cup ready, saw that something needed picked up, threw it away, realized I wanted to do something else, went into the laundry room to do that, walked back out, sat down, forgot my coffee, got up Mm -hmm. to get it again, checked the laundry room again, Got distracted again, sat back down, forgot my coffee. Yep. That's how it goes. And that's while I'm (laughs) medicated. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I was very upset because I didn't have all my things. That might be something else other than ADHD. I don't know. I have to look into that. (laughs) A little bit of the tism. (laughs) Maybe a slight tizzies in there. I I, uh, suspect, but I don't want to fully self-diagnose yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome back, poppies. Welcome, welcome. How are we doing? I'm doing good. I'm a little chilly, but I like it. But I like it. Did you take your sweatshirt off? Oh, no, that's just a... Oh, your leg. That's your leg. It looks like your arm. It's money. Are you wearing pants? No. Well, no. I am, but they're they're shorts. Okay. So it is your knee that I see. Yes. Okay, I was like, is that leggings, or why does it, why, oh oh my god. Sorry. (laughs) Wait until you watch this back to edit it, because I just jumped out of my skin, dude. (laughs) You're literally on a screen, and I jumped. 
I need to get a more secure like recording area because I'm on my bed right now and I have my mic propped up under a pillow and three boxes. So three boxes, like small ones, <laughs> Settlers of Catan. I fucking hate that game. I've never played it, but I get mixed. I hear mixed things. Some people love it. Some people hate it. It stresses me out. It's like Monopoly. I hate that game you're not so much, much. You're not much of a game person anyways. No. 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 Unless we're playing um that penguin knock me off the ice game over text message. Hell yeah. Or Peggle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Peggle? You don't know what Peggle is? It's so fun. I don't fun. think so. I will have to... Wait. Hang on. Describe it to me, Papa. It's basically like you shoot a ball and you try to hit as many of the pegs as you can and like there's different colors for different like like the green is a double bonus and then no the orange is a double bonus the green gives you a special superpower which you can pick at the beginning of the level it's very fun do you play it against other people or is it a single player game it's a single player game which is why okay I like that it. i was gonna say that makes more sense mm -hmm. do you guys like peckle do you want to come over and play peckle do you want Haley to peg you? Oh my god! <laughs> That's not what. I, uh, no! Papa. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know I had to go there. Yeah. I didn't um, see it coming, but now that we're here, I get it. Yes, yes. I, we have arrived and I understand our destination. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what would solve your issue of needing a mic stand? What? Move home and come record with me in my craft slash recording studio room. Or you could move here and we can lay in bed and record at the same time. But then we'll both have the issue of a mic stand. This Although I do want to snuggle. <laughs> this works perfectly after you just knocked it over and <laughs> scared the living shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Papa PP. Yes. I have a very, very, very important question for you if you're ready for an important oh question. I have no idea what the question could be. Do you know the Muffin Man? Who lives on Drury Lane? <laughs> aye, aye. And my second question is, what are you educating us on today? So... In this episode, we're going to talk about the Andrews family haunting. <gasps> you know I love a good ghost story, girl. Yes. Hell yeah. And I know we're, well, as of recording, we're not past spooky season, but when this comes out, uh, it'll be November. But it's always spooky season in my house, so. I feel like generally people would agree that it's always spooky season and it's always time to hear a haunting story. And yes. I don't think I've ever heard this one. So I'm very excited. Although you might I feel recognize like I should, it. I feel like I should grab a stuffed animal to squeeze. You probably should. Because it's, it's pretty spooky. I'll just hold Mothman. Alright, so... Wait, 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 wait. We just recorded the Thanksgiving episode and I had that mm -hmm. weird thought bubble with the thumbs up pop up and now you're gonna read me a haunting story hell yeah not cool <laughs> no i'm very excited for it okay so i did all this research today so and i know there's like varying differences in stories that are t like this story so um if it interests you interest you you should read more about it because there's other things that could have also happened, but here we go. So in 1987, Brian Andrews lived in Townsend, Massachusetts with two daughters, 15-year-old Annie and 8-year-old Jessica. Earlier that year, they had lost their mother to cancer, sadly. Just hmm. something they were dealing with that. Um, Brian was doing whatever he could to keep his daughters going and just keep them, you know, okay. Um, they did, however, spend a lot of time alone at their house because he was constantly working. 
As the family is going through all of this, Annie starts getting phone calls from a boy who introduced himself as Danny. He told Annie he'd gotten her phone number from a mutual friend of theirs. He explained that he went to a different school and happened to see her out one day, so he asked their mutual friend for her number. And on the phone, Danny described himself as tall, blonde, athletic, tan, and of course, Annie's 15, so she's ecstatic and thrilled that this cute boy is interested in her. So, right. So that night they stay on the phone for a few hours and they just talk and get to know each other. And this happens a couple more times as well. And eventually Danny asked her on a date to the county fair, which is precious. And That's super precious. Also, I like that and, it's Annie and Danny. Yeah. And she agreed. And on the day of the date, um, Danny showed up to their front door to pick her up. And when she opened the door, she immediately noticed that he looks nothing like he described on the phone. Of fucking course not. So, yeah. Um, he's short. He's non-athletic. He has dark hair. And he has a face full of acne. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. But, like describe yourself correctly you know he misrepresented himself on purpose exactly so she's of course disappointed but she's trying not to show it because she doesn't want to hurt his feelings she feels like she doesn't have a choice and that she has to go on the date with him even though she's already uncomfortable so she goes so their date lasted one hour because almost immediately she's she was getting weird vibes from him while they're talking and getting to know each other more, she tells him about her mom, who had recently died. And she said immediately he, like, perked up and started just, like, peppering her with weird questions about her mom. Ew. That were, like, really insensitive. He asked her to explain in detail how she felt the moment she found out that her mom was dead. Ew. Yeah. What do you mean, dude? I'm 15 fucking years old and... Right? My mom died. I just picture them, like, on the Ferris wheel and him being, like, like leaning over closer to her and her, like, mm-hmm. leaning away. Sounds and looking so at her with, like, dead eyes, like... Yeah. Please um, describe in detail your feelings the moment your mother died. It's so weird. Um Ew. He also um, asked her to describe the suffering that her mom went through. What the fuck? Yeah. No. And eventually Push him off he the ended Ferris up... wheel. Agreed. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, he ended up making a joke about her mom, and that's when she had had enough, and she got up and left and was like, I don't speak to me again, basically. Which, go her. Wow. Wow, you're going to make a joke about my dead mother who just yeah. died? Like, I think that the only people who should be making jokes about dead parents is the children of those parents. Exactly. Like, no. I love dark humor, but not from you, Danny. <laughs> no, no. Fuck off, Danny. So a little while after this, Annie and her sister were missing their mom and were home alone. So they decided to try contacting her through a seance. And they also had a Ouija board. I was going to say, where's the Ouija board? Danger, Will Robinson. So they went up into their attic and did all the, like, typical things that, you know, a teenager would do when they're trying to have a seance. They lit candles, turned the lights off, all this stuff. And they started using the Ouija board. But um, pretty soon, their dad came home and told them to knock it off. Because they, uh, I guess they weren't supposed to have candles lit in the house when they were home alone. Right. Probably especially not in like a dirty, dusty, you know, box-filled attic. Yeah, exactly. So, Brian, their dad, he was really worried about his kids, um, but he didn't really know what to do to help them. And I guess he was like a little creeped out that he came home to a seance happening in his attic. Well, right. And it's also like kids are going to be kids and he's also like dealing with the grief so it's like it's kind of as long as there's no candles burning no harm no well there is harm and foul in a lot of these situations where you play with a ouija board but otherwise yeah yep 
So shortly after they did the seance, the two girls started hearing tapping and knocking inside the house when they were home alone. When they would go searching around for to find the cause of this, they couldn't find anything and eventually it would just stop and it only happened when they were home alone. The more you're talking about this, the more familiar it's starting to sound. Like I heard Don't... it on another podcast. You have, I'm sure of it. Or Dateline maybe not the full story, but yeah. Okay. So this tapping and knocking was a reoccurring thing. It would get loud and insistent and at one point it was just constant. So then they started noticing that things in the house were moving. They would put something down in one room, go into another and come back and it would be in a completely different spot. They told their dad at one point that they poured a bowl of cereal to eat while they watched TV, but for some reason they left the room without it and when they came back to get it, it was the entire bowl was gone. Ooh. Little raccoons. Yeah. In trench coats. <laughs> <laughs> so one night the girls were home alone watching a movie and they started hearing the knocking again. Do you want to guess where the knocking was coming from? The attic. Lower. The basement. The basement. So Annie grabs a knife and heads for the basement. 15-year-old Annie grabs yeah. a knife. Um, I have, like, some weird, like, distant memory of me doing something similar when we would hear, like, creepy noises or different things, like, grabbing something at, to use as a weapon to go check it out, especially if it was just me and Chloe or if we had friends over. Like, yeah, I was the oh protector. My God. This one time, I was home alone at my dad's, and I kept getting these weird phone calls on the landline. It would be... It was probably just someone fucking with me because they knew I was home alone, but they would call and I could hear them breathing really heavily in the phone. Ugh. Gross, gross, And they gross. called multiple times. And so I eventually got so freaked out. And for those who don't know, my dad lives like not in the middle of the nowhere, but he lives like pretty secluded. Yes. So I grabbed a giant butcher knife and my cat Lucy and I ran out of my dad's house to my car and drove somewhere, but I still don't know who was calling, but it just uh, reminded me of that. <laughs> that reminds me of two stories. So the first one is the calling. And I used to work at this local gas station in town and it opens at 5 a.m. So I normally had to go in if I was opening at 4. So 4 a.m. It's pitch dark. The gas station also has a car wash attached to it and it's an old style car wash. And if you walked into the back room of the car or the um, gas station, you could walk into the car wash. Mm -hmm. So it's 4 a.m. I am getting calls on the phone at the car wash or the at the gas station, right? I get two, like two calls, I believe. Nothing, whatever. Then I get a call on my cell phone, which really freaked me out because I was like, okay, yeah. someone knows I'm here um, and I'm freaking out. So, of course, I did call the police because in when you walk into the car wash part there has to be drainage for the water so there's huge ditches back there like if you stepped in there you would break your leg like it, oh they so, uh, multiple people could have hidden in there i freaked out it was so scary but the cops came they checked it out nothing the owner of the car wash slash gas station was like um what like what happened and i explained it to him and he was not necessarily mad but wasn't too happy about the whole situation um right and then the second story is i don't know if you remember the whole clown epidemic that's the only time i feel like i would have been able to murder somebody yes that was so, so scary <laughs> it was terrifying and at the time i was living in warren at that little house you visited once mm -hmm. which is off of conowango and they had, there had been multiple sightings on Conowango. And I saw a report that day. Megan was working nights. So I was getting ready to go to bed and I took JJ outside and I went outside with my, um, meat tenderizer and was like, if anyone tries to come near my motherfucking dog, I will meat tenderize you 
immediately. And luckily yes. there was no issues, but I was very ready. And Megan, I, I don't know if I told Megan or if Megan saw it out and was like, why is this out right now? And she's like, you're going to beat them with that? I was like, yeah, I will to save my dog. <laughs> yes. But. Okay. Yeah. I have I have another story. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. Sorry for the tangent, but these are good stories. So. Never be sorry. Don't... I love it. Um, okay. I might've told you this story before, but when I was like in middle school, my, my parents are divorced and my mom was, you know, dating, doing her thing. Um, doing her thing. <laughs> um, we were living in Warren and she went out on a date. I'm not going to say what the guy's name is, but I'll tell you later if you care, but <laughs> tell me um, now and then just cut it out. His name was Mike. Okay. And we later on called him Psycho Mike because of this Psych story. Psycho Mike. Yes. Psycho Mike. Okay. Um so she went on the date. I was home alone that night. I don't I don't know why. I don't know where Madison and Linda were, but I was sitting in the living room. I was watching That's So Raven and the phone rang and the person on the other end introduced himself as Mike, my mom's date for that night. And he's like, is your mom home? And I was like, no, I thought she was out on a date with you. And I don't remember exact the exact conversation, but he was basically like, she got up to go to the bathroom and she never came back. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try calling her, see, if she, make sure she's okay. So I did. And she didn't answer. And a couple, a couple minutes later, he called back and he's like, I'm... <clears throat> I'm really worried about her. Is there anybody that would want to hurt her? Like, you should probably call the police. And we got on and off the phone multiple times because I was like freaking out and like calling my mom repeatedly. I thought she was dead. And I did mm -hmm. end up calling the, I ended up calling the police because I didn't realize that, you know, just leaving a date was an option i thought either she stayed at the date or she was dead like right right no exactly especially if you're yeah. a kid and yeah. he's putting these thoughts in your head yeah yeah he kept just being like i'm really worried like we were having such a good time i wonder what happened like all this stuff but um the cop came and i remember i remember exactly what i was wearing it was a jean mini skirt with flowers embroidered on it and like a green um like not a t-shirt really but just like a dress shirt i love that i was wearing that on my couch watching that so even <laughs> right like who 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 were you yeah horizontal Haley could never i was having like a full-blown panic attack talking to this cop because i was so scared he was very nice and like empathetic but eventually my mom just called me and she's like what's up and i was like mom what the fuck <laughs> she she got bad vibes from this guy and ended up climbing out the bathroom window. And then your child calls you 15 times and you don't answer? Why, did, why didn't she answer? She, she ended up going to a different bar and met some friends. And I, I understand why she didn't answer because she didn't think her date would call her daughter. And No, com her. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. But yeah. it's, uh, I don't know. I feel like as a parent, I would be so worried that my phone would be, like, glued to my hand so I could feel it vibrate if my child called. Yeah. No yeah, judgment to your mom at all. None. No. But, like, how creepy is that that he's calling, trying to find her, and then talking to you? Yeah, dude. And then my mom, like, flipped out on him. They never went out again, as far as I can remember. But also, of course, because fucking weird. Um, But... He used to show up to our swim meets after that. Ew. And just be creepily standing there. Ew. Yeah. Ew. No. Uh-uh. Fuck him. I think you did tell me part of that story. Mm -hmm. Or that... Or at least the part that she climbed out the bathroom window. But, wow. People are insane. Dude, it was so scary. For him to call and talk to you multiple times... Yeah, That's and not whole... just be like, hey, if... maybe the date wasn't going as well as I thought it was, you know? Right, when he probably knew damn well it was a, it, he was awful, and yeah. he was just trying to figure out where she was so he could do whatever. <clears throat> but to call you and make you freak out in the first place, 
and then to tell yeah. you like like oh the date was going great and blah 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 instead of like calling and just saying oh i thought your mom might be home and i probably would have made up an excuse like oh um i she left the date early or something and i just wanted to make sure she got home safe as to not freak out the child oh my god yeah. no yeah so no all right do you have another story or can i get back to this one <laughs> that story stressed me out yeah it still stresses me out <laughs> Okay. No, I do not have any more stories. Okay. So they're home alone. They hear knocking in the basement. Annie grabs a knife and they head down. Her sister goes with her. This is the part where you might recognize the story, but when they get down to the basement, they find a message written on the wall in what looked like blood. It said, I'm in your room. Come find me. So sorry for that noise. That was a natural that I didn't force that. That just came out of me. Yeah. Ugh, the Dude. chill that just went down my spine. Yeah, so the girls were obviously terrified, and they booked it out of their house and to their neighbors, and that's where they called their dad, who was at work at the time. So Brian got home shortly after that, and the police were already outside, and him and the police go inside and into the basement, and they look closer at the message on the wall and what the girls thought was blood turned out to be ketchup and Brian immediately assumed that his daughters were to blame and this was just a prank to get his attention because he thought they were mad that they were home alone so much and they wanted him to be home with them and this was their way of doing that. I don't know. I mean, I guess you can think at that time that it's your kids acting out after all that they've been through. But to go to that extreme of a length to do it, and I, I don't know, I feel like if it was a prank, you could do it when your dad got home and then be like, Dad, look what I found. But yeah. to have to like the involve cops the police involved, and stuff, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. So he apologized to the cops and told the girls that because of this, they would have to start going to therapy, which is a good choice, but... Probably should have happened sooner, you know? Yeah, and it shouldn't necessarily be a result of this. Yeah, exactly. So, a few weeks after that, they were home alone again, and the knocking started again. It was loud and persistent, but this time it was upstairs. They went yeah. up to investigate, and it was coming from a bedroom, their bedroom, and across the room, on the wall across the room from the door, there was another message that said, I'm back, come and find me. No, uh-uh. So they no, sprinted out of the be. house again and went to the neighbors and called their dad again. This time when Brian got home, he saw his daughters outside and they were sobbing like uncontrollably. They were holding each other and panicking, basically. Well, and probably on more than one level, too, panicking for seeing it and then also panicking, thinking, dad's not going to fucking believe us again. Yeah, we're, we're going to be in trouble. Exactly. We're scared to be in trouble. Yeah. The neighbor that the girls had gone to told him that they'd been that way since they got to the neighbor's house and that whatever was happening wasn't them. It was real. Brian went inside to investigate and he noticed as he walked through the house, every single TV was on. Creepy. Super. Oh, super creepy. Yeah. I don't know why that's so creepy to me, but like. Yeah. Just the TVs being on, but no one being in the house anymore. Like something about that just gives really like saw vibes to me. Yeah. And even though um, I don't think it relates to saw at all, just like, I don't know. Anyways, continue. <laughs> So things were like really rummaged through and it looked like things had just been thrown around everywhere. And he knew that his daughters didn't just wreck the house themselves as a prank. So he started to actually believe them. He walked upstairs and saw the message on the wall of his daughter's bedroom. And when he turned around, he saw a photo of Annie stuck to the wall with a knife. <clears throat> and eventually he heard a noise from his room and started walking towards it. When he got to the doorway, he saw someone standing there wearing his wife's wedding dress and a wig. 
Oh, no, 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 no. Yes. No. No, no. The person in the dress turned around and it was Danny. The boy Annie had been on a date with. His face was painted in warrior makeup and he's holding a hatchet. Oh, my God. Fuck Danny. Do you remember this story now? Yes, I do. Um, Once you had said that it was the two daughters with the mother who had just passed, it started hitting me. And then at some point it really got there. I don't remember where I heard it, though. We've talked about it on the show. In the the Ranker article episode. Oh, okay. I was like, have you you talked about this before? But I didn't (laughs) want to, like, call you out or anything. (laughs) I'm just retelling it. (laughs) Yeah, we read that article and I was like, I want to tell the full story because it's pretty crazy. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I do remember that now. Yes. So when Brian sees this, he stumbles backwards. And at the same time, Danny rushes towards him. So Brian books it out of the house. He alerts everyone outside and tells them to call the police. And while um, he waits for the cops to arrive, he just stands there and stares at the house to see if anybody leaves, but nobody ever did. When the cops got there, they went inside to find him and were unable to find him or anybody. Jesus. Ugh. As they're searching, they notice that there's a bookshelf that's slightly pulled away from the wall on one side. Mm-hmm. So they pull it open and they find a tunnel system throughout the the walls of the home. Danny had been living inside the walls of this house since his date with Annie. Oh my God, vomit. And to make a tunnel in the wall. Yeah. No, that is next level. A hiding spot is still creepy, but like tunnels? No, no. Yeah, he had like multiple. Um... Inside this tunnel system, there was writing on the walls. There were um, articles of clothing that belonged to the the girls that had disappeared, that he had been jacking it to, you know? Yuck. Yeah. Um, there were empty beer cans. He'd glued pennies to the wall. Um, it was abundantly clear that he'd been living there for a good long time. And on top of all of that, there were peepholes all around the house that allowed him to see what was going on in any room of the house. Ew. Ew. Yeah. Disgust. Bomb. Yeah. So, yeah, they couldn't find him that night. That's terrible. Can we pause for one moment? Yes. Coughing. Everybody, welcome a very special chonky guest. The very specialist of them all. Little Boffin, do you have anything to say? Wow. Riveting. Artistic. He's so cute. Megan's gonna come home, and he's gonna be in here, and she's gonna be like, where the fuck is JJ? He's living in your walls. Alright, so let's talk a little bit about Daniel LaPlante. This little shit stain. Danny was born May 15th, 1970, in Townsend, Massachusetts. While growing up in Townsend, Daniel was abused by his father, stepfather, and a psychiatrist. Daniel's father was was responsible for the majority of the abuse. His family's house and surrounding grounds were also reportedly a mass of junk and old cars, so his environment was just all around chaotic, it seemed like. Mm -hmm. He attended St. Bernard's High School in Fitchburg, and he was diagnosed with dyslexia at an early age, and some of his classmates described him as creepy and weird. And as a teenager, he was referred to a psychiatrist who diagnosed him with hyperactivity disorder. Do you know what that is? Is that like ADHD or something? I'm sure it's close to it. Okay. Um... This was because of his abnormal behavior, his appearance, and his lack of hygiene. And this is the same psychiatrist who allegedly sexually abused him. By the 1980s, a neighbor neighbor had grown concerned over Danny's many solo excursions into the woods behind his home. Quote, you'd see him walk out there by himself. That's the only place you would see him, the woods. Danny became a neighborhood thief by 15. 
he broke into homes during the evenings, stole valuables, and then stepped it up to playing mind games with these people. He would leave things behind. He would move things around um, just to scare them and fuck with them. So he was doing it long before he was at um, Annie's house. So in 1986, that's when this whole thing with Annie started because he was obsessed with her and he broke into her house and stole some of her things and that's how he actually got her phone number. Ew. I w- well, anyways, it's a good PSA. Don't ever give out anyone's phone number without asking. No, definitely. So when Danny was finally arrested, he was taken to a psychi- psychiatric hospital to be evaluated before going to a juvenile facility. And eventually it was decided that he'd be tried as an adult and moved to a real jail. And because of this, he was able to have bail. His mother came up with the $10,000 to bail him out by remortgaging her house. Once again, we have a stupid mother. I bet she fucking hates it. Hates, thinks about it all the time. We'll, we'll get into it. He's, right. oh, he's so gross. I just, I, I understand like that's your child and whatnot, but after these accusations, and if he was taken to a psychiatric hospital first, let him stay so he can get the help yeah. he needs. Yeah. So because of her remortgaging her house, he was bailed out and given a December court date. The Andrews family, they completely just dipped out and relocated. They didn't want to deal with this anymore, which makes total sense because they're also dealing with their mom dying. So on December 1st, 1987, Danny left his mom's house and went into the woods with guns he'd stolen from a neighbor. He hiked for about a mile until he came to the first house and broke in. This was the home of the Gustafson family. On this day, 33-year-old Priscilla Gustafson, a nursery school teacher, arrived home with her two kids, 7-year-old Abigail and 5-year-old William. And it's not sure exactly what um, Danny was in the house doing. Um, It's speculated that he might have been caught in the middle of robbing them, or he went in there with a totally different plan in mind. And it's likely that he entered the home with a plan because he brought ties with them that he later used to bound, to bound the family, which would make it premeditated. So Andrew Gustafson, he wasn't home at the time and he, was that the husband? Yes. Um, that day he closed a big real estate deal and tried to call Priscilla to see if she could find a sitter so they could go out to dinner and celebrate. And when no one answered, he drove home and when he pulled in, he saw Priscilla's car in the driveway, but the house was eerily dark. When he went inside, yeah, he went inside. You keep saying ew, but it's so ew. I know it's, it's very scary and sad, but. He went inside and he found his wife, who was pregnant at the time. Um, she was face down on her bed. Her pillows were covered in blood. Danny had raped her and shot her multiple times, point blank. And uh, he said he... Uh, I found this article kind of about um, the husband because... In these stories, I like to kind of highlight the victims and, like, talk about their experience, too. Right. So, I'm going to read from that a little bit, but... He he said he doesn't remember anything that happened after that. He remembers going into the kitchen to, to call the police, and he was too afraid to look for the children because he was really terrified that he was also going to find them dead. Right, like, that's a whole... I mean, you just saw your pregnant wife dead. The idea yeah. of finding your two children, No. I can't mm-hmm, I don't blame him imagine. at all. Um, when the police arrived, he sat in one of their cruisers, and eventually an officer came out and told him that his daughter, Abigail, and his son, William, were both also dead. Um, <gasps> yeah. Oh my God, Danny had... A fucking monster. Danny had taken them to separate bathrooms and drowned them both. I think that... Shooting someone, obviously murdering someone, 
regardless, is heinous and disgusting. Shooting someone is quick, relatively, and if she was face down, he didn't have to see her or anything. But to kill someone by drowning is a whole yeah. different level of sadistic and disgusting because of the force you have to use when someone struggles and like the amount of time that it takes to do oh god i can't even keep saying what i'm saying because i'm gonna vomit and like i just think about what they experienced after they got home like this is i don't i don't like to think about this but i wonder if they had to see what happened to their mom happen and then they died. Right. And to think that their last hour of life was absolute torture being bound and then whether or not they did see their mom and then to die by drowning. Yeah. Because you're conscious for so much of that. Ugh. At seven years old and five years old. Oh my God. Yeah, it's someone who can murder children is an extra special type of fucking demonic yeah. and disgusting too. Yep. Danny was no longer there, obviously, when Andrew came home. But at the scene, the police found a twenty-two caliber gun and gun casing, and it matched the gun that Danny had stolen from his neighbor. And for the next forty-eight hours, a huge manhunt ensued. They put together a task force and they pulled in officers from surrounding uh, counties. And eventually a tip came in that Danny was hiding at an old lumber yard, which is that tracks. It's a spooky place. Mm -hmm. I wish a tree would have fallen on him. Right. A big old piece of lumber. All the cops showed up and they found him in a shed. And when they pulled him out, he was laughing, and he did not stop laughing throughout his entire arrest. Part of me feels slightly bad for him because he's obviously severely fucked up, but with the way that you said, like, that he had, like, the ties and stuff with him, mm-hmm. part of him knew exactly what he was doing. And then to think back to what he did with, um... Annie. And uh, Annie, thank Brian. you. I want to say Abby. Yeah. Um, and the premeditated nature of that and the Mm -hmm. drawn out torture of it all. Like he had some knowledge of what he was doing. So I don't feel that bad for him. No, like he obviously had like had a really horrible upbringing, but so do so many other people and they don't do this. So, or anything close to it. Like that's a whole different level. I, you know, I don't feel bad for Hmm. the mother. Yeah. She has blood on her hands. Yeah. And she bailed him out, which was wrong. But previous to that, maybe she didn't know that her first husband and her second husband were, you know, abusing her son. But there's got to be some sort of sign. And I understand that it's hard to get out, but I just, and I'm not a parent, so take this with a grain of salt. But I feel like as a parent, it's your responsibility to keep your child safe. And if the two men that you married both did the same thing to him. That's a, that's just it's a you a really problem. sad. That right, exactly. And I mean the psychiatrist thing. If you know it's spe- it's speculated, so if that is true, that's not ne- her fault necessarily. But obviously, there was an environment in that home where he felt like he couldn't say or do anything about it. So yeah, it just he probably continued. Did- he probably didn't actually get any like psych- psychiatric help until that first thing. <clears throat> so right, and then it just ended because she decided to have him bailed out, which doesn't make any sense. No, when they finally arrested him, they brought him back and they booked him and they stripped him and they searched him, and this is when they found that the he had hidden a loaded gun in the crotch of his pants. So he could have just like. What a psycho. I wish he would have shot his dick off. Yep. Agreed. Before anything happened. So about a year after this, Danny was sentenced to three life sentences for the murders of the Gustafsons. And on March 22nd, 2017, 
a resentencing hearing for Danny was held at Middlesex Superior Court in Woburn, Massachusetts. Danny asked for a, for a reduction in his sentence. At the hearing, it was mentioned that during his first appeal, previous court rulings were cited saying that juveniles convicted of murder should be given a meaningful opportunity to re-engage with society. No. I agree. There was also a new law allowing juveniles convicted of murder with extreme cruelty and atrocity to ask for parole after they've been behind bars for a minimum of 30 years. The judge, however, affirmed Danny's sentence of three consecutive terms of life imprisonment with the possibility of parole after 45 years, after a forensic psychiatrist evaluated him and found that he had zero remorse for what he had done. So, with the original case with Annie, he was mm -hmm. supposed to have a trial in December... Yes. And then did committed all those other crimes before his yeah, trial. Yeah, while, while he was on bail. Yes. People who are convicted of crimes like this, it oh, just fucking pisses me off. A black person carrying a dime bag of weed goes to jail and can't make bail and sits and mm -hmm. sits and waits for their court date and ends up spending more time in jail waiting for their court date than they do like ha having an actual sentence and they get time served which is wrong because they should not be waiting but because somehow this psycho's mom managed to scrounge up ten thousand dollars he was released and then was able to murder three innocent lives and including the life two children of andrew yeah how are you supposed to go on after that? I don't know. But and then he has the audacity to say that he because he's a juvenile, what he was 17, you're barely a juvenile, dude. Yeah. No. No. I yeah. I don't care what atrocities you went through. You need to be locked up and whether that be life in prison or life in a mental ward, whatever, but you don't you are a danger to society. And it's yes. been proven more than once. And you should have never been given bail. And if there was bail, it should have been much higher. Much, much higher than $10,000. I agree. And I was... Uh, you made that comment about the um, the black man with the dime bag. I w it reminded me, I was watching... Madison and I were watching I Survived last night. And two of the stories... One was... A teenage girl was telling the story and her mother's boyfriend at the time attacked her and stabbed her in the neck like over 10 times and she survived. Oh my god. And, Holy shit. Um, he got 15 years in jail for that. And then another story was a pregnant woman went to meet somebody who was offering um, like free baby supplies, just things that she needed at the time. And this person ended up trying to cut the baby out of her stomach and she got 45 years. It's this, like one is a little bit more like drastic, you know, cause she was using like a box cutter and all this stuff. It was more violent, but I feel like they're the same crime. So why did he get 15 years and why did she get, you know, so much it's more. assault with a deadly weapon. Yeah. Period. It makes no it sense to me. Just because a, a fetus is involved? That's my know. guess. Maybe. But like, it's assault with a deadly weapon. Yeah. So, I mean, unless this guy's 85, so he gets 15 years and fucking dies a horrible death in jail. But, no. I don't and, know. Oh my God. Yeah, but that made me mad. But. Yeah, that would make me mad. This story makes me mad. Like, just the continuing failure of the justice system to uphold justice in the ways that it should. And this motherfucker got out. And who knows? When he first did that, I don't know if he was 17 still or if he had only been 16. But who knows if at that point when he hadn't killed anyone, if he could have been... 
um, like rehabilitated or like helped if he would have went to a psychiatric unit. Maybe. But instead, he was just let out and just continued to commit crimes. And I, yeah. it sucks that he went through stuff. But you can't use that as an excuse to fucking murder people. Yeah. And if, especially if a forensic psychologist was like, he feels no remorse, there's nothing. There's probably something deeper in him than just the abuse that he suffered. Yeah, it's nature and nurture in his situation, yeah. I feel. Yeah, well, and I feel, honestly, I was I was talking to my mom and my grandma a while ago, a couple months ago, about stuff like this. And I really think that people who are murderers are just born that way. Yeah. I think, it, like, because to me, a murderer is someone who commits an act like this, whereas someone who's a killer, you know, is in a shooting... Or hold up and is like a robber and ends up killing someone or a self-defense killer. Those are completely different from someone who just murders people for no reason. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's really there's just a trait or something in them that they're born with. And then it either can lie dormant forever or it can be triggered or it's just there without a trigger. And maybe for him it was triggered by his abuse, but it's still no maybe. excuse. It makes me think of, um, I don't know that much about Ted Bundy, but what I do know is that he had, like, a an okay childhood. Like, I know that he, I think he was raised to believe that his mom was actually his sister or something like that. Like, he was raised by something somebody crazy. else. Something crazy. But that was it. And he, like, used that as a reason for him being the piece of shit that he was. Mm-hmm. But, like... Yeah, I can understand why that would be, like, traumatic, but that's not... If that's the only thing, like, no. you're fine. There's there's not many things in life that lead to that extreme. Like, it, I, I know I've brought this story up on the podcast before about the young woman who was sex trafficked and pimped out mm-hmm. her whole life. And then she ended up killing her sex trafficker and how she got punished for that. Yeah. But the the, like, the example you just gave... He stabs his stepdaughter or his daughter in the neck 15 times mm-hmm. and then gets 15 years. It's just, it's not equal and it it's not black and white. It needs to be looked at as she was saving herself. She did that out of desperation. Danny did not do this out of desperation. He did this out of pure evil desire to kill. Mm-hmm to end a life and it's it's the two things are not the same yeah why else do you go into some stranger's home and kill two kids and a pregnant woman right and also to when he stole the gun i feel like that was a bit premeditated as well or why would you dig or create tunnels in people's walls to stalk a girl that you went on one date with and and he was already asking all those creepy questions with his death curiosity Mm -hmm. like Obviously, he had an affinity for morbid things, but in a way deeper way than yeah. anyone should. And yeah. I don't know. I, I really do think that he was probably born with something and it was triggered. And it might be the same for Ted Bundy. He was born like that. And then the catalyst was that traumatic news or event. And it just triggered him enough that it set it off. And then he used that as an excuse instead of saying, well, yeah. this fucking sucks. Because how many mm-hmm. people in the world go through things like that? I just saw a TikToker the other day who posted a video, and I haven't watched the second part, but basically she was moving out of her house and found a birth certificate that had her birth date and her original last name, but a different original first name than what her parents changed it to. And like basically the story goes is like she's not anything like she was told. Yeah. And I don't know, people go through shit all the time and just as, I mean, there's no comparison. Everyone's affected differently by trauma, but it doesn't turn most people into killers. So that's my only point. Sorry, that was very long-winded, but I just hate the whole, like... The justice system? The system and the narrative that's just because someone went through trauma, it justifies their actions. Like, okay, you you key someone's car or you 
you know, ruin their stuff, you don't end their fucking life. Yeah. Like, it no. Makes zero sense. Yeah. While Danny was in jail, he became a Wiccan and eventually filed a lawsuit against the state of Massachusetts because he was denied access to dragon's blood, black opium, and honeysuckle. And when the Wiccan community heard about this, they completely rejected him. They were like, you're oh, not one God. of us. I, like, fuck you. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that they, they, like, rioted for him and I was going to be like, oh my God, no, no not the Wiccans, but no. thank God. I, I should have, why did I have such ye of little faith? <laughs> <laughs> so he went through all of his appeals and during his last appeal in 2016, he tried to act remorseful. He said, words cannot fully capture what I have done. I murdered three innocent people. Because of me, a five-year-old boy will never turn six. There's a seven-year-old girl that will never turn eight. Because of me, a woman will never be able to give birth to her third child. I robbed an unborn child of his first breath. A husband will never again be able to hear from his family, I love you. And he tried hard to convince the parole board, but... Not the parole board, the... Whatever. He tried to convince them that he was remorseful, but he failed. And his final appeal was denied, and he will never get out of jail. Thank God. I, yeah. I will say that they're keeping that up well. Like, thank God. Just the way that that's written, though, it seems very much like he watched a TV show. Mm-hmm. A, a five-year-old, a four-year-old, five-year-old boy will never turn six. A seven-year-old girl, like, why are you just repeating these things? Yeah. Like, I don't know. No. I'm good. Rot. Rot in jail yeah. for the rest of your life. Agreed. So I want to talk a little bit to wrap up about Andrew and just how it affected him because I can't even imagine losing your entire family like that. Mm -mm. Like it's so I, devastating. I do not think I would be able to go on. Yeah. I, I'm just being 100% honest. Like, yeah. No. Let me scan through this real quick. Especially in such like a tragic way, you know? Mm-hmm. So after the murders, um, he he remained out of the public eye to just grieve, which makes total sense. And he eventually did remarry to a woman named Carol. And he said it certainly would have been much more difficult without her. I don't know whether I would have made it or, made it or not without her. Now I have a reason to get up in the morning, something to live for. And her husband, her first husband died from a brain tumor, I think is Aww. what I just read. Yes, a brain tumor. Um, and rather than try to erase the past, they make it a point to remember their past. This makes me want to cry. They both wear two wedding bands, their new ones on their left hands and the original ones on their right hands. Isn't I'm that gonna so fucking it. beautiful? Yeah, and that they can do it together and, like, they both went through something so tragic and they found, yeah. like, solace in, within each other. Mm-hmm. I heart Carol and Andy. Candy. That's their ship name. <laughs> I ship them. I don't really know what that means, but I've heard Chloe say it a lot. So, um, after the murders, he moved in with his parents. He rented an apartment in Townsend, but in a, within a few months, he moved back to his house, which would be so awful. I would burn it to the ground. There. I would sell it. Oh, no, no, no. Burn it to the ground. I am going to link this article about him in the show notes if you want to read all of this because it's... I'm glad that there's something like this out there, but... Sadly, Andrew died in 2014, <gasps> but um, Carol, his second wife, testified at, at um, Danny's resentencing that Andrew's life was ruined because of the crime. He suffered endlessly with depression and went bankrupt. And this isn't confirmed, but I did read that when... Andrew was on his deathbed, he said, make sure they never let him out of jail. And it's just, like, nice to know that he got what he wanted, you know? How He's never he getting out of jail. I don't know. I'm not sure. That's so sad. Three years before he was finally convicted. I know. Or finally, um, denied his last appeal. Yeah. 
At least he was around yeah. for the conviction. But oh my god. And then I'm glad uh, he had Carol. Candy. And then he the And then she has to go through that again. Yeah. Like losing another husband. Oh my god. I wanna see if I can find how he died. I know I don't know if that's weird, but I would like to know. Cause I'm hoping it's like natural causes. Oh, he also died from cancer. I was literally just about to say, because if that man got cancer after everything that he's been through, I 1000% like don't believe in God. Yeah. So that's the story of the piece of shit that is Daniel LaPlante. And I hope he is having the worst time in jail right now with no dragon's blood, no honeysuckle and no black opium. Fuck you. And why would you think you could get any of? Th- I mean, honeysuckle maybe like that's not dangerous, but why? Why do you? Why do you think you're gonna get dragon's blood? Which, first of all, no one has discovered a dragon on Earth. I'm not <laughs> saying that they don't exist, but technically they are mythological creatures. And second of all, black opium, which is drugs, which can be made into drugs. I mean, like, it's probably extremely me? narcissistic. And thinks that the world revolves around him. Like, I know oh. there was this one, there's this one case of this guy who was pissed that his parents, his parents were, like, paying his way. He was, like, 29 years old. They were paying for everything, like, his rent, his college that he dropped out of multiple times, all this shit. And when they broke the news to him that they were going to stop paying for all of his shit because they wanted to retire and, like, live a happy life together... He murdered them in the most gruesome way possible that I'm not, I might cover it at some point, but it's really tough. But he ended up writing the judge a letter and being like, I need to be moved to solitary confinement because I'm uncomfortable in this cell and la-di-da. And it's like, you just dismembered your parents. Nobody gives a fuck about your comfort. Like I'm pretty sure that they're, they were pretty uncomfortable during that situation. So you don't deserve any comfort. Oh my God. You know, that sounds like an incel to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God damn. Well, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm glad that um, I got some more detail on that because that story was wild and it continued Mm -hmm. to be wild. Um, Yep. Wow. Crazy one. That is a crazy one. Carol, Carol, you're probably not going to hear this, but I love you and I'm glad that you and Andrew found each other because yes that's the silver lining that we needed and if you need a grandchild i will be that and we can bake together and i know how to crochet so we can yes. make scarves and hats and stuff and i just want to give you, you can a make big them for me and, and i will model them for you <laughs> <laughs> i love that and we will give you big hugs and sing to you <laughs> <laughs> all right well you want to skedaddle <laughs> yes because um i need a little snacky snack and i am also tired but thank you for sharing that and thank you yes. for you know taking the mental capacity to do that research and everything i mean i kind of already knew the story i just had to get it all typed out so it was pretty easy but yeah it's the still a lot, story. so... It's very sad, but... Very sad. Yeah, so if you guys want to reach out to us, uh, send us a spooky story, tell us about the time you lived in somebody's walls, uh, <laughs> and also leave. Don't live in walls. Go back to your own home. If you're um, listening to this from the inside of someone else... If you're in your own wall, cool, whatever. If you're listening to this from inside of someone else's wall, exit and walk yourself to the nearest emergency room. Yes, but... Right on the wall, educate me, Papa, and then leave. <laughs> at gmail.com. You say, I'm so sorry, at educate me, Papa is the best podcast. Hashtag slay. Goodbye. <laughs> All right. Well, you can email us at educate me, Papa at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at educate me, Papa dash the podcast. And you can the find podcast. us on Instagram at educate me, Papa. Papa. And just like always, we thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.
Everybody's still listening to this. Thank you so much. We love you. Um, we do. I hope you enjoyed our ASMR. Okay, see you next time. Toodaloo. Bye. Bye.